Fight Capital, where we enter the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm joined by Rina Anthony Rosolofaniina. He's a prodigious talent in the world of combat sports digital marketing. He has carved a niche for himself for over 15 years of unparalleled experience, which has seen him transition from being an enthusiastic basketball commentator to the senior social media manager at One Championship, where he masterminds strategies that propelled him and the brand to the forefront of global sports media. He's got an amazing portfolio of growth metrics for brands like FIBA and an innate passion for MMA and basketball. And so Rita embodies that real fusion of passion, strategy, and execution in the digital realm. Thanks for being here today, Rina. How are you and where are you joining from? I'm great, Ryan. Uh, thanks. Uh, the, the intro is amazing. <laughs> I'm joining you from France right now. Uh, I relocated here after leaving Singapore last December, and I'm, uh, I'm in Europe since uh, March, basically. Well, I know I, I touched a little bit on your journey there, but you've gone from like writing websites to hosting a radio show about basketball and really just kind of becoming a major sports and an early adopter um, in social media marketing, which is truly inspirational. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey in sports marketing and how has your experience in content creation kind of informed your approach to content in the MMA world? Sure. I, I, will, try, I will try to be fast because I tend to speak a little bit too much, but um, it started basically with me loving sports and especially basketball. Um, and really like at the beginning from the content side. So I, I, I came into sports through content because I used to really love manga, you know, the Japanese anime and stuff. And there was one that I really loved that was called Slam Dunk. It was a basketball manga. And I really came into the sport through that and also through um, the culture because I was a big, I'm still a big hip hop fan. And, you know, basketball and hip hop was really linked together. So I came first because I really loved like the content that was around and all the cool stuff that I liked were linked to basketball. So that's why I came into that. And living in the small city in France called Grenoble, there were not that many um you know, big organization there. So I, I had to create kind of my own experience. So as you mentioned before, we're talking about 2007, I started doing everything that was possible. I was doing, I had a radio show about basketball. I was writing an uh, uh, article on websites. I was doing, uh, I don't know, MC commentary on basketball, local tournaments here, everything I could. Um, I go really quick, but fast forward, it uh, gave me a pretty interesting network here and gave me opportunities to work, uh, which made me move to to Paris and do, started really my journey into, um, you know, content and sports there. I work with different organizations, but not only in basketball, the last year before I moved to Switzerland to work for FIBA, the International Basketball Federation, I actually did... Um, um, video production where we were doing sports documentaries for TV channels and I tapped into a lot of different sports, uh, basketball, rugby, uh, soccer, uh, roller derby, and of course, uh, combat sports and MMA. Um, so that like really, you know, helped me to see, a, have a 360 experience of how content can be made. And that's very useful for now where video and, um, you know, uh, yeah, content production is like super important. That experience that I had in editing content for TV really helped. So yeah, fast forward, then I worked for six years for FIBA as a digital content manager, uh, three years and out for one championship in Singapore, in Asia, um, as like a senior uh, social media and PR manager, and came back here uh, in Europe, in France, many for family reasons, uh, since uh, uh, March, and uh, opened up my, my own company and doing, uh, you know, sports marketing consultancy, mainly on digital and social media, of course, uh, for different sports. Well, I'll definitely dive into that a little bit, but it's it's such a diverse background with your work in FIBA and now 
uh, into the MMA. Can you just you know talk to me a little bit about the difference in the fan engagement strategies that you see from basketball to MMA, and you know what tactics have you found that kind of universally work across across all sports? Yeah, Ryan, the, the major one that I see is obviously that basketball is a team sport where combat sport is very individual. It's one guy against another guy going in a cage, um, which allow you to leverage different kind of engagement. Like with a team, you can leverage more of the national pride, the local pride, the, the appartenance of a group, where when it's a combat sport, you have one athlete, it's more about, um, you know, you try to identify to that guy, you like his character or you don't like it. But the common ground about it is that at the end of the day, you try to have people going, um, like having affinities with either the player or the team. Like they follow the journey of somebody because they like him, because they can identify. And win or lose become less and less important. Even now, if you see the way black basketball is marketed, if you look at the NBA, yeah, they can do Los Angeles Clippers against uh, whatever, the Philadelphia Sixers, but they will mostly do like one player against one player. They will do Curry versus Harden. They will do Kevin Durant against LeBron James. So they, they use the same... Um, they use the same leverage to kind of sell the sport. So that's where I see the difference is a team sport versus an individual sport. But at the end of the day, you try to have like uh, storylines about what are the stakes and that can translate into any sport. Oh, yeah. I think about that with American football, too. It's like, yeah, there's 22 people on the field, but they're, they will analyze the stats for how this one wide receiver does. And then, yeah, that makes complete sense crossing over to MMA, right? Or stealing it from MMA because it seems that it's, you know, such a pertinent part of just combat, right? Whether And that's why I see all sports as ritualized combat, essentially. But you, you've kind of seen that importance of those partnerships for digital sports media across all these organizations. And can you just talk about what that means, you know, that digital sports media act, um, uh, uh, aspect of marketing means to like the bottom line for engagement and revenue? I mean, I hope I answered that question well, but um, my answer to a question would be that at the end of the day, uh, what we do, what I do is obviously like creating content, but too, too many times people just limit that to all oh, posting content and, and creating cool stuff. That's not true. What we do is like trying to create a piece that people can engage with, grow the audience and ultimately like what commercial sponsors and partners want to do is like tap into that audience, tap into that unique uh, storytelling that you are selling them. And that's what you monetize. Um, the content is only like, uh, um, the sport in itself is only like uh, an opportunity to create this connection with the people. Um, so hopefully answer correctly to what you ask and correct me if, 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 if that's a little bit off topic, but, but the idea is that yeah, the content is like how you reach the people and what the commercial partners are interested in, and that creates revenues ultimately. No, you hit the nail on the head, right? It, I think that a lot of us look at it from the outside, and it's like the clicks and the light and the likes and all of that. But really, when it comes down to is that engagement drives revenue, whether it's ticket sales. Um, media views, commercial views, all of that type of stuff is driven by this work in digital media, right? And so I'm, you probably have seen this even more now that you have your own company as a freelancer. Um, you're, you're working to grow all these different types of audience and engagement for different types of sports entities. Can you just share some of the insights um, into how influencer marketing has changed the game, especially um, in the context of combat sports? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. So the thing is now, um, you know, the influence of marketing sounds are even more important than the media. If we come back to what I explained before of people identifying with the athlete, that's the same thing with influencers. That's kind of hard to totally identify and connect with, uh, I don't know, ESPN, MMA or Bleacher Report, because these are like entities and media, but it's very easy when you go with like a, a personality, an individual person that looks like you, that maybe like, uh, you know, eat the same thing as you, that you see train like you, that every day you connect with. And, and, and that's the power of it. Like that's the old um, usage of like the word of mouth, but applied now to digital. And that's why I believe like now it's, depending on your budget and the goals and everything, but influencers marketing in a sense in the world where we live now is even more important because people can relate way more than to corporation or organization. You obviously have to select the right people and look at their audiences and look what are the connection, uh, the engagement rate and everything, because um, you don't want to invest in somebody that is not relevant for what you're doing. But once you create that good connection, it's hyper localized. Like you can literally have somebody that is in a particular town like this thing and will speak to these people. And it's not about just the audience, about the million of followers and everything. Sometimes somebody that has like a micro or macro influencer can be way more impactful than, you know, if you have a, you know, somebody that is like a huge celebrity, um, you know, in the media or something like that. So, yeah, I think it's key now. And, and the good thing is that all organizations can use that depending on their budget. It's not about having big millions of dollars. Like at your scale, you can do influencers marketing and can, can be impactful too. There's you hit on like a really big topic for me too is that micro influencer and that how much power they actually carry in the relationships. But that, I think that's just one trend in like the future. But how how do you see the future of fan engagement and do you think technology will play a major role in that? I think so. I mean, I've seen uh, a few days ago there was a video of Mark Zuckerberg and Lex Friedman. I don't know if you've seen this one. They were using like the Oculus thing, and I was looking at it so. It looks like they were really like in front of each other, but they were like miles apart, obviously. And I was thinking about that movie that I've seen, uh, Ready Player One. And I think like it's very, it's very soon. And that will change the whole experience because now um, a lot of people we are, will have the experience of like, I mean, actually it won't be the experience of being in the arena. It will be a different experience. I don't know if it will be better, if it will be worse, but it will be literally a different experience where now we, if, when you go in the arena, you have, something that you cannot feel at home. Like I was just last weekend, I was in Paris for the PFL Paris cage side, like when Cedric Dumbe entered and like delivered this nine second knockout. I don't think you can replicate that in any sense with TV, social media, anything that that's impossible. But with these technologies, I believe it will be the closest thing to it, the closest thing to feeling. And you will even have accesses that have, and I think that's the future because that technology, Oculus virtual reality metaverse will give you accesses that you actually cannot have in like think about it if you are in mma you can literally be in the cage where a camera cannot be there only the referee and the two fighters can be there with virtuality i think you you can be basketball court the same thing you could have the position whatever you want in the court thanks to it and feel things that even people that are court side cannot feel so i mean i'm, uh, I'm I, at one point i cannot wait to see that on the other side i'm a little bit afraid like i have a three-year-old son and i'm thinking this guy is going to just stay in the living room looking at this thing and not going anywhere outside because it's so cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm still, I still don't know what to think about it, but as a professional, I think that's an enormous opportunity to, for, for work. Yeah, you, you, 
I totally agree. There's nothing that can be matched from the energy that you feel when you're in a stadium. And if, whether it's like Brave, CF, who's had like, had a really amazing uh, event there, the UFC, who had that amazing event, now the PFL. I mean, you could just, you could, it wasn't being totally communicated over the broadcast, but you could feel how you know, the commentators are saying the energy in this place yeah. is unreal. Yeah. And so kudos to the French fans because I think that they overnight kind of made france a destination because of the passion of the fans and that totally speaks to the production quality as well and having fans excited and getting a clips of that so really cool thing and i i agree that the the way that our experience in person is changing and how media is changing that is going to completely change but you have a pretty vast experience in the content distribution side of it, right? So can you just talk about either whether it's something like that or it's virtual reality or just the real life? What are some of those challenges and advantages you see in distributing content on like an OTT platform, like a, a Roku or uh, an Apple? The, the pro of that is that I think uh, that's something that I've done when I was uh, at One Championship, for example, working with Roku, is that uh, it allows you to give a second life to content that maybe uh, is not sold yet or is like has been already produced, already packaged, and you can give it a second life there and earn revenues with not that much work, only the setup, and then you you don't have that much to do after. Uh, but then like there are other players now that even like paying you to create original content, and you see a lot of these with uh, you know platforms like Netflix and and, and these guys. So I'm, I I would not say it's the future. I will say now it's an additional layer that uh, right holders should definitely take and use uh, because there is a good opportunity there to reach more people that maybe will not, um, you know, stumble upon your content. Um, the future, no, I would not say. I, I kind of like, it's not the same thing, but what is uh, being done in the world of like fast channels. So, you know, it's these like channels where you have 24 seven content, you can repurpose stuff that you already have in, uh, you know, in stock. So you could do a basketball channel with purely, uh, yeah, uh, basketball documentaries or whatever you have in your content. I think that is pretty interesting because there is not that much uh, work to do behind also, but it can allow for obviously commercial opportunities because then you can plug in there, uh, you know, advertising and everything without having to reproduce and reinvest into content production. Um, I'm less an expert there than in obviously the pure social content. It's a space that I also love because content distribution is very important now uh, in the digital space, but uh, I, I'm still keeping a very close eye to that. Yeah, the content distribution part of the game is super interesting to me. I was surprised as I've learned more about like who's actually paying and who's getting paid for it, right? So there's, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's this kind of like huge underbelly of it, right? And like getting the views and how people are getting that. And that's super interesting to me as well. But I, I know that you also, I mean, as a digital marketing, social media expert, you probably have some background in the actual audio side of it as well right and i think of things like clubhouse and x spaces how effective are the audio platforms for combat sports and do you see them evolving for that type of sports content yeah I mean, obviously i went into that when uh, we were during the COVID times where everybody was stuck at home and clubhouse was just like killing the numbers in terms of like uh, new members so I actually started working on that with uh, Dan that I'm working with right now for, for PFL Europe. He's the uh, director of fighters operation there. And we were doing like a uh, clubhouse uh, to cover uh, fight nights, you know, like while people were uh, watching the fights, 
we had these rooms, these audio rooms where we're talking about the fight. But the cool thing about it, because, you know, people do that also on YouTube, on live stream, which is a watch along um, live stream, basically. The, the power of it is that, and it was like connecting to my experience that I had 10 years ago in, in radio, where you can have people going on stage and talk with you and interact at the same time live. And I think that's pretty amazing. Like I remember having fans sending me DMs like, wow, that's so cool. I talked to uh, one of my most, um, you know, um, the, the fighter that I like the most, uh, you know, he's an idol to me. And you gave me an opportunity to go on stage and speak for a few minutes with him and, you know, talk casually, have a normal conversation. So I feel it's, since COVID has stopped and everybody started to go outside, um, it has definitely slowed down a lot. I still go in re regularly on like Twitter spaces. I think now it makes a little bit more sense because we have media that are using that. It's kind of a little bit niche, I agree. And I think the, the, the potential for that is still untapped because we're talking about a very long format where people engage there for hours, not like 10 minutes, three minutes, like a video or a reel, but for hours. So think again if we go back to the opportunity for monetization and revenues you have something that is very long that you can insert a lot you have a lot of space to put partners related to that and like once people are in there in they're staying and they can do that while they do something else you know because it's like a podcast like what we're doing now like people can listen to what we are saying but do something else at the same time and the audio spaces are great and that capacity very safe of having uh of you know uh top athlete like uh, you know, Cedric Dumbe used to do, uh, um, you know, clubhouse rooms at the time. And obviously now to be in the same room or do like a press conference with him, it's pretty hard. But in the clubhouse, it's pretty easy. He can do that for his room. It can be pretty safe because a fan can talk to him, but without like no possibility of doing something strange. And if it becomes out of, out of line, you can just ban the guy. So it's a pretty safe space. And I, I think there is still a lot to do there uh, and the potential for, for audio, social media and audio, audio based. Uh, networks um, is not 100% optimized and exploited yet. Uh, I even as I was asked saying the question to you, I was my brain was spinning because I was like, wow, it could essentially be like a virtual watch party without having to actually see the 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 video. It's just the you could mute the regular commentators yeah. and have your favorite people commentating. Mm -hmm. I actually uh, when uh, Dana White's Contender Series first came out, I remember. They had you had the option to listen to Snoop or Uriah or the regular <laughs> commentators. And I, I had Snoop and Uriah on the whole entire time because it was very different. Granted, they were, you weren't getting as quality of commentary. But if you're a fan like myself and you know and see the sport, sometimes you're like a little bit different. But that's interesting. I know we talked about VR. We've talked about audio. But you, you just had this kind of massive contribution to the sports marketing space for combat sports. What do you see as like the next big thing for uh, digital marketing in combat sports? And are there any trends or platforms that these sports entities should be looking on and keeping and keeping on? I mean, I, I will maybe have a strange answer, but I believe that um, we now focus a lot on like the digital content reach. But I think the future is thing that I will the organization that will be able to do uh, digital content very personalized and tailored to the audience that they reach and connect that to the physical world. I think that's the next step. It's like going back to the basics where what you do on digital can have an impact on what's really happening. I'm giving you an example. Like maybe in a future world, we will have like fans, you know, voting and dictating what will be the matchup, who will fight against who. There is a massive, once you, you give the power to the audience to, 
to, to, to interact and really have an impact and not just put a like or comment and, you know, say who they like when, when you go to the next step. You know, I think it will be amazing. It can be a matchup, but it can be, you know, what will be the color of the fighter's throat or the walkout song, you know, these kind of things that feel like, wow, I actually like consume something that I've been a part of. Um, I'm just giving a few examples. It can be unlimited. And once again, there, you can plug in, you know, commercial uh, sponsor revenues because once they can dictate, you can, you know, connect that uh, with like all the commercial world. And I, I still think it can be endless. So, yeah, for me, it's like using the tool and the amazing reach that social media can give now and connect that to the physical product, to actually the real, the real sports product on the court and enhance like the, you know, the in arena experience and, 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 and just the overall sport finally, and make it like a kind of hybrid between um, digital and, and real sports. Hopefully it's not too abstract what I'm saying. <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, and if I just think about it, I, the, to be able to affect the outcome, that's going to make me want to be a part of it. And more so, I think of anything like win bonuses is right, which, you know, are, are pretty kind of, you know, the, the, the boss is picking it most of the time, put that in the hands of the crowd and actually see what, hey, what did the crowd think? Have live voting, you know, that, that whole thing, or even just being able to engage with that, right? As a, as a fan, I can listen to or see what the walkout song is going to be beforehand or i can you know uh get that back view of the room and i can pick the fighter that i want to be watching train and warm up i mean just you're you're i you know you made perfect sense and i can see okay. where that would go and it's just I'll, I'll say that the conversation here is just like so valuable i'm learning a lot from this and i know a lot of other people are going to listen to this and get value from it and so I really appreciate you being here today, Rena. Is uh, if anyone who's listening to this, how can they follow you and continue to kind of support your career as you're growing in it as well? I'm I'm pretty easy to find. Just like Google Rena Anthony, I'm basically on on the main platform. I'm X, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, really happy to have a chat. Um, that's really something that I wanted to do. Like I, I think I put a LinkedIn post about that uh, when I left Singapore in December. Is that it's literally the first time in my career that I was a free agent because I always work for many, many years for different, for different companies. And I'm just enjoying being, um, you know, doing consultancy freelancing now because I can do so many sports. Like earlier in the year, I work in football in France with Ligue 1. Uh, now, obviously doing work with uh, amazing guys at PFL Europe in combat sports, but also I'm talking like just this morning, I had a conversation with the guys at United World Wrestling because I love what they're doing, the, the grappling aspect that they have. Um, it just like, the possibilities are less now and, and, and I feel that's the right moment, like where I have the right mix of like experience network uh, to go into that and, and, and yeah, just be able to do fun projects. Hey, that's what it's all about having fun, right? And getting all that <laughs> exposure. I mean, you're going to be across so many different types of platforms. That's a, a pretty cool place to be. Well, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot. You've taken the time out of your busy day and uh, looking forward to getting this out to everyone, Rena. So thank you again. Thanks so much, Ryan. Keep in touch. Yes, we will. Cheers.